Welcome back to Flash Knockdown. This is Series 3, Episode Number 8. It's huge fight week here in Sheffield, England. It's Wood Warrington. Here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. Well, unfortunately, we are a guest down. A little bit short notice. Our guest was stuck in traffic. It's a great guest, and hopefully we'll have him on the show next week. But a great lineup still on today's show remains. Jack Cattrall. First up, he talks all things Jorge Linares and takes on the 12-round Eliminator Challenge quiz. Dave Caldwell analyses Hopi Price's ring return this weekend and names his dream dinner party lineup as well. Peter McGrail is back from injury and talks his ring return on October 21st. And there's another Mike Costello tale from the memory bank. What a show. Lee Wood, Josh Warrington, fight week, fight night, fast approaching. Sit back, enjoy, and don't go anywhere. Well, I think, Scott, I might have done a little bit too much talking, a bit too much shouting yesterday, because I woke up this morning and I've lost my voice, so I need to be careful for that ahead of the weekend. Do you want to tell our <coughs> listeners why? I think a couple of reasons. We launched our new revamped version of the On The Ground podcast, which is basically, I said on my Twitter, channeling my inner Martin Brundle, F1, grid style, walking around the media workout. It was in, in this instance, grabbing absolutely everyone we can. It's a little bit chaotic, a little bit carnage, but I think there's a an appetite for that sort of uncut and unedited listening, especially for the boxing fans. So that was really fun. Uh, make sure you go and check that out now if you haven't. That's available on all your, your streaming platforms. And 12 guests we got through. 12, was it 12? 12 in 55 minutes. That's not minutes. bad going. That's good, mate. That's You've done a really good going. job. Did you enjoy it? I, do you know what? It was a bit of a whirlwind. I think we've um, got to be lucky because there's a lot of people back to back just randomly happened We also to like went out in the back at one point and then Josh Warrington just walked around Appeared, the corner. Appeared, yeah. Yeah, out of nowhere. So I think we've started. We've, um, maybe it's the magnet. We, we beginner's track. luck. Beginner's luck. Or it's just like our energy. The mm. fighters are drawn to us. Maybe. Not sure about that. Well, maybe. But anyway, definitely go and check that out. Lots of interesting chats. I managed to, to grab Sean O'Hagan, father of Josh Warrington, who actually said was Lee Wood's dad yesterday amidst the carnage. Uh, forgive me for that one, but got up with, with him and, and Ben Davison together. They were talking about the fight, and it was interesting. Lots of, lots of different types of conversations uh, within that podcast on the ground. As I say, go and check that out. And the second reason was uh, my team, Celtic. Um, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, Lifelong Celtic fan, dad's Glaswegian, uh, watched the Champions League game with Lazio last night and to concede in the 95th minute after shouting at the telly for the whole game, after speaking for an hour, I think that's probably what's, uh, what's impacted the vocals. In the last header of the game, last touch out, of the I? game, in, in disbelief. Do you want to tell the listeners what I did? Walked out without saying goodbye. I was I you left your bag in there as well. <laughs> I was, it was one of them. When I woke up, I was a little bit embarrassed. But I'm not, uh, you know, that was sober as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I was a few just going to say, to be fair, you was on the, on the Diet Coke last yeah, night. Yeah, so I was devastated. But anyway, this is a boxing podcast. We're not here to talk about football and, and Celtic's uh, capitulation in the last moments of their Champions League game. This is fight week and it feels like a big fight week. We're just sitting here at the moment in a side room at Cutler's Hall in Sheffield, just preparing to see... Josh Warrington and Lee would trade a few verbals for the final time. I said on On The Ground yesterday that I've noticed just from speaking to Josh and Lee through the build-up and this fight week as well, that the dial, as you'd understand and, and you'd anticipate, has just started to budge slightly. And it seems, you know, obviously with the weight coming in, that the pair of them are, you know, their attitude towards each other has just changed slightly. Would you agree? I think we'll find out in an hour or so. So obviously before the presser, like you say, 
it's going to be interesting to see how they both approach it. They've obviously been around each other quite a bit in the build-up to, to this fight. You know, I remember doing the the press conference doubleheader uh, a couple of months ago. We've done the face-off. They've done some other media bits as well. So they've been in and around each other. And I kind of feel like when boxers aren't around each other and you meet up for the first time, you get that spark. But actually here, I think, you know, the, the weight, like you say, coming into, into practice... And maybe just the little bits you've picked up along the way. You know, there was one or two lines in the Make the Days Count documentary that Lee probably weren't privy of knowing until he watched it. And then the face-off as well. So maybe today something could be in store. Well, I said to Josh, you know, I asked him, we, we've got a great piece coming out on Friday, I believe, called Inside Look. Make sure you check that out because it's all down the lens. It's about mindset. It's about motivation. A little bit different, but it's really quite powerful. And it's just Lee and Josh in that video. And, I, you know, I asked Lee a question along the lines of, you know, up until... Sunday morning really what is Josh Warrington to you and as savage as it sounds what do you have to do to him in that bell rings and he was he said quite bluntly I'm going to hurt Josh Warrington I then stirring the pot obviously told Josh Warrington that Lee Wood had said in response to the previous question he was going to hurt you and he, he almost stood up out of his seat Josh nearly he got up he, his shoulders were going he says I don't think you realise like this is the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up this is I'm ready I'm ready to go and I think just by that brief exchange and those few words, it it tells a lot about the picture of how exciting this fight's going to be. It's the fight game, isn't it? And there's so much online. You know, Josh can't afford to go one win out of five. He can't. No. Let's be honest. At this stage of the career, at the same time, you know, Lee's not a particularly a spring chicken either. You know, he's saying about the weight becoming an issue as well. So he needs to to get the W as well. And I think that's what makes it even more intriguing. Sorry, someone's just come in with a, the teasing coffee. Well, that's the way the podcast works. Coffees, I think. That's yeah. the podcast works. You know, we are. When we, when we put ourselves in side rooms or in random places in Box Park like last week, we're bound to, to bump into people who are actually supposed to be in here, Scott. And probably working. Yeah, we sort of <laughs> snuck <laughs> into this room. We are not supposed to be in here. Uh, once again, that's become an, uh, a familiar theme with this podcast. Great show to look forward to on the zone. No, Terry Harper looks to become a unified world champion, of course. Kieran Conway, Lana Sadofi are in a good fight. Hope your price steps up against Conor Coghill, Janae Bostan. Exciting. Young talent opens up the live broadcast. Lots of exciting fights. And before the bell to look forward to as well, like the debut of, of Cameron Vong. These, these type of cards, and Cameron Vong, I just want to grab a quick word on him. I was just actually in the car with Frank Smith on, on the journey over here to the press conference from the hotel in Sheffield. And he said, everyone, this is probably a time where I can recall I've had everyone coming up to me telling me how good Cameron Vong is. Why can that be a positive or maybe be on Cameron Vong's mind heading into his pro debut on Saturday night maybe to get caught up a, a little bit like you, like you say other people talking about him could just blow smoke up his ass a little bit so to speak there is a lot of talk about this young man most notably led by his manager Mr Sam Jones who does like to talk a good game but already from the debut you know there's going to be people talking about him before he's even thrown a punch but I know behind the scenes they, they want to match him quite aggressively over the next couple of fights so come through this there is rumours of a another show coming up in the northeast in the in the coming months. I'm sure he'd love to jump back on that for his second one straight away. Yeah, well, Cameron Vong, the professional debut of that young man, four rounds at lightweight, around about 5:30 p.m. on the before the bell segment of the show on Saturday night. Lots happening in the world of boxing. Obviously, we have to be aware it's not just a matchroom world that we live in. Although it's difficult in this job to to sometimes spread your attention elsewhere. I did stay up after. The Jordan Thompson Opatia fight night. Um, I was doing the live design broadcast, and the adrenaline was like nothing I've ever experienced before, and I just couldn't sleep. So you flicked on the zone, and you watched I put on the zone again. Watched more boxing. <laughs> I've been watching boxing for hours, and I thought I'd put on some more. I must say, um, in terms of a fight to keep me up at around 5:30 in the morning, it wasn't possibly the most exciting fight. 
Yeah, you know what? I've only seen the highlights, to be honest. Uh, I'm probably the opposite of you. After a show, I will tend to get home or back to the hotel and try and switch off. It is hard. Like you say, adrenaline's pumping. Can you crash out, can you, straight after a show? It usually takes me half an hour or so, an hour. Do you know what? The, um, the earpiece, having the earpiece in, I felt like people were talking to me inside my head for about five hours. That's not a good sign, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Especially waking up Sunday and it's still happening. <laughs> still happening now. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a shame. It didn't really catch fire from what I saw Canelo, but look, he dropped him and got the job done and retained these super middleweight titles and straight away it's like, who's next? Well, certainly a few options. Benavidez, Crawford, could we ever see that? I mean, what a, what a mega fight that would be. The Dimitri Bivol rematch, obviously still there. So much options on the table for Canelo Alvarez, proving he's still very much the number one man in, in various aspects of the sport we all love. Uh, just a quick one on Jordan Thompson. Uh, I think we witnessed a great fighter in Jai Pattaya. I think people had their questions. I had my questions about the jaw and how his body would hold up and I expected him to probably be a bit cagey for the first few rounds behind that southpaw stance just because of the injury. But it couldn't have been further from that and I think he caught Jordan cold in that first round and that sort of told the tale of the fight from there on. You know what, I was speaking to uh, Ben Damon, who's the uh, Australian journalist, and I said to him, I haven't seen someone ring walk with that purpose and that look in his eye for a long, long time. It was menacing. Um, you know, we could sort of sense it in the build-up, almost day by day, he was becoming quite intense. And I think someone referred to him, you know, he's almost got that look of a killer in his eyes yeah. where he's going to strike Stone it in a minute. Stone Cold. I think I called him Stone yeah. Cold on the last yeah, week's he podcast. Did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, I really noticed it. I followed him from the dressing room where he gets separated from his team, where his team go left to the ring and he goes right, to do his sole ring walk and there was about a 30 second delay whilst Jordan Thompson's ring walking where he's on his own there's a camera myself one of our other uh, camera guys as well and he just looked at me in the eyes and I genuinely thought fuck and I mean phew, destruction wasn't it let's Apologies be honest for the language, folks. <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest it was, it was a destruction yeah and look Jordan it was a roll of the dice I think you know I was chatting to his team he's had 15 fights really in his life you know so to, to go in there put it all in the line. I think he deserves a lot of credit. And I actually think, bearing in mind how hurt he was in the first round, he hurt him early up a tie. I think he, he showed some mental resilience to survive up, up until that fourth round, I thought. And for up a tie, like you say, when I got in the ring with him at the end to do the, uh, to do the interview, one thing I say is, just from my experience of doing it a couple of times, the ring is so bright. I know people say the bright lights. I always thought that was a bit of, like, I don't know, like a cliche. You can barely see over the ropes. Like, Did you nearly so trip through the ropes? Oh, no, well, to be fair, I wore, I wore looser trousers this time, so I was a bit more nimble. But it's um, it's quite daunting in there. And when, like you were saying about the look in his eyes, obviously I've got Mike Costello in my ear, and he's going, and Jai's in the ring now with Jamie. Boom, then you're on. And I must admit, I looked at him about to ask my first question. I was like, come on, be, be nice to me, Jai, here, because uh, there's no, no hiding spot up here. So but look, he's made a name for himself now, hasn't he? Uh, Definitely. Going back to Canelo about talking about who's next more so probably for Opatia. You know, he said he wants to fight Chris Billum Smith. Is that realistic with the promotional sure. differences somewhat? Um, Badu Jack, Gulamarian. He's got a mandatory obligation. I think Badu Jack might have vacated his belt. Okay. Yeah. Hold that for Interesting. Mm. I always thought we might see him fight Canelo. I think Macabu is now fighting for the, I could be way off here, and if I am, I'm going to edit this out. But <laughs> I'm sure he has, so it's a vacant belt coming. Um, but yeah, it's a good division still. Well, as I said, all the action... To look forward to Saturday night on the Zone, the live broadcast begins at the usual time of 7pm. But as I say, before the bell action, three fights to look forward to on that segment of the show, starting, I believe, at 4.45pm, Scott. Correct. Um, I'll be in the hot seat once again, just figuring out what I'm going to wear, which is actually more stressful 
than doing the job at the moment. I'm not used to that, but um, I'll be back on the design broadcast this Saturday night. Loving the experience and uh, can't wait for this Saturday. It's just got that big fight feel to it. And this is why we do what we do. And Baddy Jack has vacated his belt to pursue something at Bridgeway, allegedly. So there you go. Well, I just thought I'd ended on the perfect. That's what we do, what we do, all, all dramatic. I was just, I was just questioning just myself. Line. No, just, just questioning myself. Well, but there good, you go. good to clear that up. Fountain of knowledge. Well, we are in a little side room, as I said, here. Cutler's Hall in Sheffield. We're counting down to the final press conference for what is a terrific fight, Lee Wood, Josh Warrington. Dave, I was saying to Scott a little bit earlier on in our little chit-chat that sometimes you have these fights and when they first meet up for the, the first launch presser a few months ago now, it's very amicable and respectful. In what ways have you noticed and do you expect to see the dial just beginning to turn between these two guys? The needle starts to get a little bit more. They start to grate a little bit on each other because they just want to get there. Because what you're talking about is when you talk about world champions, top level fighters and fighters that have come up the hard way as well which these two have people forget these two came through the small hall circuit they didn't just you know come out of the amateurs successful amateurs and be given a promotional deal they've had to work for everything they've had but they've got egos that's that and i don't mean that in a bad way that in order to be at the top you, you need to have a bit of an ego it, it, whether you, whether it's in this job you know my job a promoters or a fighters um, you've got to have that little bit of ego and at the beginning when it's weeks and weeks away they've got respect for each other because they both respect what they've done in their careers and everything there's no real beef between them you know apart from one man thinks that he'll win and the other man thinks the same weeks and weeks of our training of drilling of going through pain going through diet going through aches in the morning and doing the runs and all sorts that starts to create on you because that man across from you is the reason and he's the man that's that's looking to stop you from fulfilling your dreams and you know providing more food on your table as you're going forward let's grab a quick word on your young charge hopey price first 12 rounder for yep. hopey yeah uh, final eliminator for the british title as well yep. i just want to ask you dave about you know i was talking to hopey yesterday we had quite an honest chat and i was saying that you're winning these fights so comfortably what do you make of the comments you know about going through the gears and yep. trying to get your opponents out of there when you are so far ahead on the scorecards and you're cruising is that constructive criticism? What, yeah. what do you what do you make of, of if that's the if that's what they're pulling out on him? That's got to be a compliment. Do not mind it at all. What what you have to understand? There are different kind of prospects. There are different kind of fighters. There are the prospects that are going to go out there and look to get rid of people as soon as they can. One round, two round, three round knockouts. If it goes the distance, they're absolutely gutted, right? And the promoter likes to build those fighters, and that that's I get that. That's part of what what boxing is and what people want to see but the majority of those fighters and i'm going to say it the majority of them right they're not learning in the fights and then what happens is they get this record and then the promoter and the matchmaker mourn because oh i can't really get him opponents it's getting difficult we're gonna have to sling him in he's gonna have to take a step up and they step him up and because they've not had the ring experience and gone through little problems gone through little puzzles ring time then all of a sudden they get in there with somebody and it's not, they don't fall over, and it's not as easy. And then it's like, now what? And then all of a sudden, the wheels come off, right? Yeah. And then when the wheels come off, the promoter then goes and looks at somebody else. They don't care about the rebuild of this one, or, you know, nine times out of 10, these kids that go out blasting people, and then they get done. They're not quite the same when they come back, right? Then you've got your other fighters that in the prelim stages and the building up stages, they're working on things that they're doing in the gym. 
and they're looking at putting them in real life scenarios under the lights in front of people they might not be blasting these people out but they're getting the job done and they're getting the banking that experience they're soaking up the problems whether it's a journeyman who's, who's trying to be cagey and you have to figure those those things out in there they're working on those those problems that they're, 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 they're facing in the fight and then as they're stepping up stepping up stepping up then in the longer rounds of the fights longer fights should i say fighters like opie that isn't a one punch knockout merchant that's going to go in there's a wrecking ball right that's where you're going to see where he's going to start you know fighters going to start falling apart as the fights go longer um the accumulative effect the psychological effect i've always had this thing this belief it's only my opinion i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying it's wrong but it's my opinion i don't care if you're blasting out journeyman what does that prove what does that prove a guy that's in there thinking about his next payday don't want to get stopped so he's so he can fight again and he just wants to get through the rounds and you go out and blast him out what what does that matter when you're in the big fights are you then looking good because like i said we've had it and and all promoters have had it but you know recently you're talking and not digging them out but recently you're talking about people like cyrus pattinson gary culley looking amazing getting rid of people or just looking fantastic and everyone's getting excited about them and they get rushed they get rushed because they're looking so good in these prelim fights and then they have problems and then it's like oh that's it and now they have to restart opie price and in his fights he's had step ups people keep talking about about step ups oh this day oh he needs to be slugging look at who he's for for the amount of fights he's had i think in his fourth fight fifth fight he had an unbeaten fighter i think in his early on zayda saying a 10 rounder who was 16 and one you know who's now english champion and recently it's been world title challenges european world champions so yeah. this is this is what it, it kind of it baffles me a little bit when when i hear people saying that no disrespect to conor Cogill, right no disrespect but people are telling me that it's a step up for hopi price in in what way are you saying that this is a step up because if it's a step up on paper, because the guy's got 14 and 0 on his record, yes, step up. That's it's probably the where they're coming from, the from face record. value, right? But if you want to talk about a step up, how can Hope in his last fight fought a guy that boxed for the British title, right? He's boxed a couple of times, but he went eight rounds with a British champion now. It's eight, seven rounds with a British champion now. In the fight before, he fought a guy that had been European champion, fought for a world title. Yep. Records of fatigues don't mean nothing. Don't mean nothing. So I don't see it as a step up. You've got to remember as well, I asked for this fight because I know the champion is a Southpaw and he was due to fight at Raza Hamza and I knew he was going to get rid of Raza Hamza. So I said, look, we're going to be fighting a Southpaw for the title. He's not fought a Southpaw as a pro. I want him to fight a Southpaw before he goes in again that's developing a fighter that's that i expect problems in this don't get me wrong when i'm saying to you this isn't a step up i don't mean that oh this is going to be easy i expect conor Cogill to give him, him problems i want to have problems because i want to have problems that he comes through in this development stage before i let him off the leash and say off you go there you go fight whoever well dave we move on uh, now to a segment of the show called food fight essentially the premise is uh, we've been using trainers so it's great to have you uh, following in the footsteps of some great guests already in this season, dream dinner party lineup. There is a bit of criteria which I sent you on WhatsApp, and you've told me you've nearly got it. Yeah, the criteria bit done me because I've I've got this in my head. I would love to have oh, I'd love as dinner guest, but I don't have this criteria thing. Yeah, well, that's now what makes it fun, Dave. This is our show, not yours, mate. All right. 
There are rules. All right. Right, here we go. Okay. Guest number one. Actually, first of all, do you like cooking? Are you, are you much of a cook? Chef? No, my, my, if it's not my wife, it's my son that cooks for me. Okay. So, no then, no. basically. All right, okay, fair enough. So I, I take... Can do a, I can do a pasta. Can, well, come on, Dave. Boil a kettle. <laughs> <laughs> I'd expect that. You're a world-class boxing <laughs> trainer. I've been at the highest level of the sport. I'd expect you could press a button, mate. Um, but this is your dinner party, so what are you doing? Takeaway coming in? Because you've got... No, I'd... I'd, I'd, I'd you can't pay for a chef. Because the you guests that are going to be coming, I'd, I'd bring a chef in. You can't, no, you can't do that. All right. That's, also, it, that's it, more, it, it looks more like rules. It looks like my wife and my son... Um, <laughs> no, you've got to cook it. That's oh. the whole point. Oh, dear. Your guest, mate, you're going to meet some of your heroes in this dinner party. Okay, I can, do ch- I can do chicken. I can do the oven. I know how to look at a timer yeah. on an oven. So a bit of chicken pasta for the guests? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chicken All right. pasta, chicken All right. rice. I can roll with that. You know? I'll go with that. Okay. Well, guest number one is a guest from the world of boxing. Past, present, fighter, trainer. All right. Why? And I guess, you know, why would you want them there? Why would you want to talk to them? What would you ask them? Um, okay, so the guest that I've not used him, but I, 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 he would have been my first choice. But I'm going to slip this one in. I've actually had dinner with him and I've spent a bit of time with him. So Go on. I don't need to have him on this special occasion. It would be Sugar Ray Leonard. What, by the way, what a flex that is. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I would have this one, you know, but I've already had dinner with him. So, right, okay. Yeah, so so yeah, I've, I've I've asked Sugar Ray Leonard everything I need to ask him, and I've listened to him speak, and it was the most unbelievable person in the world to speak with. Um, he was my hero getting into boxing, um, so I don't need to invite him. Okay. So the guy that I'm going to go with is the guy that I used to get up in the middle of the night as a kid to watch, and I remember him demolishing these guys, and I remember his his first world title against Trevor Burbick. Iron Mike Tyson, not just because he was the most ferocious, vicious fighter I've ever seen in my lifetime in boxing, and I don't actually think there will be anybody that has the same intimidation factor. I used to remember seeing these massive guys, big six foot four heavyweights, standing over him, and when they just locked eyes on him in center ring, just turn to jelly yeah, melt and just, just literally just fall apart mentally they got every physical attribute on them and they just fall apart um, obviously the life that he's had the, the ups the downs you know um, the, the comeback the hangover um, appearances <laughs> that was pretty um, you know, and you, and you listen <laughs> yeah and you listen to him now talking now as a, as a wiser older man who seems to be at peace with himself I just think the life that he's had to go alongside of his, his boxing career and the stories he's got from that, I think he'd be an amazing dinner guest. And I'd love to, I'd love to sit down and, and, and talk to him. How his mind used to be and how he'd go off the rails and things to how he is now, uh, just, you can tap into that and you can learn, you can learn so much from people. I think you'd like your chicken and rice. <laughs> he's got a problem if you haven't. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant start. Guest number two is someone from the film... TV world, actor, actress. What's yeah, your favourite film, Dave? You I've see, asked everyone this so far. What's your favourite uh, film? Do you have a favourite film? I don't because there's so many, uh, there's so many films I love. Uh, I can't pinpoint one. I mean, going back, to, I, I love Heat, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, you know, um, but then I like a lot of modern stuff. Um, so it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. I watch a lot of films with my kids. <laughs> I want a bit of laughter. Okay. Right? Mike, you don't know what mood he's going to be in. So I need somebody in there that kind of might lighten this mood up and just, just yeah. save me if you don't like my cooking, 
you know, if the chicken's not so great, dry, you know, dry, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if it's if he's if he's a bit pissed off with that, I might need somebody to to line it up. Um, so I'm gonna go with Kevin Hart. Okay. Yeah, you know, I seen Kevin Hart live um, in as a stand up. Oh my God, he's funny. I love his film. Just somebody that can make you laugh. But also, you see little clips of a little bit bits of his interviews and things and he's got obviously he's got a work ethic I, i'm big on work ethic and he's got an unbelievable work ethic you know he's not he's not like the your yes greek god looking sort of big six foot guy that you imagine is going to be a big movie star and things like that you know he's a funny guy that works a lot a lot of hours um uh, so i'd like to pick his brains on his success and things like that but also just to have somebody that's going to make me laugh I think that would be a great contrast. Yeah. And I think they would work together, actually. Yeah. Not necessarily even a contrast. I think they would get on. Yeah. Next one is music. Struggled on this What do you one. like? What music, do you, what music do you like in the dressing room? Obviously, I bet you probably leave that to the fire. Yeah. But when you're getting yourself in the zone, you know, what, what is your go-to? What, but I'm, who do you like? It, it, this is my problem. Is I've got such a range of different sort of music. If I'm driving, in, uh, if I'm driving from London at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll put some old stuff on, like... Like what are you doing driving from London at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning? I'm from a show. Oh, right, okay. Oh, because, oh yeah, because we have a show. <laughs> oh, God, that's a bit uh, niche. No, no, no. I do it regular, though, because I'm in the back right. next morning for Got my you. son's football. Got you. So I don't stay over, so I'll be driving back. So I'm getting back at, like, 4, four o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning sometimes. So if I'm on the motorway at that time of night, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, like, I'll put some old tunes on. So I'll have an old playlist, like a, an 80s, 90s playlist. like, And it just from when I was a kid sort of thing. When I'm, when I'm in the gym, we listen to a lot of, uh, there might be some, like a lot of DJs, like, so like Sonny Federa and people like that. Um, I'm into different stuff. I've been to see like Coldplay and stuff, people like that. So I've got a very, very varied um, sort of taste in music. So I'm really, really stuck. I'm not. I'm not one where it goes. Oh, I love. I'm, I'm not one of these that cry at concerts and shit like that. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not really that asked about about who's going to be there. So it's maybe not about the singing, although cracking singer, amazing, amazing voice. But because I think she's an absolute giggle, and I think I'd go with Adele. Okay. Because I think I, I, like I love her personality. I love her singing. She's brilliant. But she's not somebody that I listen to in a car. When it, when it comes on, then, yeah, I like Adele's music. But it's not somebody that I've listened to. But, you know, when you see these audiences with and stuff like that, she seems hilarious. And she's when she's funny. been on, on, on uh, chat shows, she's absolutely hilarious. So... I think you do listen to Adele in the car. No, I don't. Mm. No. I'm going to ask your son. Huh? Does daddy listen to Adele Definitely when he's taking not. you to football training? Ask, ask, ask him. <laughs> We've got TalkSport on in our, in our car all the time. I don't know, Dave. We're going to have to do a poll on social media, I think. So I'll stay <laughs> listening to Adele. I tell you, let's see what it's a great party. Great party. Poor old Sugar Ray Leonard. He's, he's watching outside <laughs> in the window. He's not been let in. Sorry, I've been there, done that. You're not coming in tonight. Uh, final guest. This one sometimes can get a little bit emotional. I'm not saying that's going to be the case mm. for you today. But, for example, we, we've had people bring their fathers, Jamie Moore, got a little bit emotional when he was talking about Oliver Harrison and how much yeah. he'd love to have a catch up with him and enjoy the yeah. party with him. So this can be a family member, it can be a figure in history, it could be anyone who makes up the, uh, the compliment for Dave Culver. You see, this is difficult because a couple more guests that I would want, but you're restricting me, yeah? and I've got, I've got... I could say, Dave, that chicken and rice only goes around for five <laughs> people. <laughs> No, I've got a multi-pack of chicken breast, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so 
this is quite it's quite difficult because I can't say one of my kids because the other kid's gonna be pissed off because I've got two kids. So I can't say one. So no, can't so do the kids are out. Like with, with my background, I don't have anybody, any family member that I, you know that I need to have at my dinner party. Um, so it's kind of like <laughs> you're gonna just open, let the I door and let sugar I, anything. I don't. I don't <laughs> <laughs> because there's, so there's people there's, there's people out there that I would love to I'd love to meet and I'd, I'd like I love Bex. Yeah. Right? Love I, love, I love Dwayne Johnson, right? I'll, people like this, I like. But do you know what? So we was meant to go and see him when he was doing a, a, an exhibition, and me and my son, we got stuck in traffic, and we ended up missing it. I think for him as well, because he'd love to meet him himself. <laughs> David Goggins. Well, okay. I yeah. absolutely love that guy. Listen, he is, he is hard. Nails. <laughs> His nails. nails. He talks nails. But I think we need a little bit of Goggins in his life. And I just think, again, he's somebody that used to be really overweight, really out of shape, wanted to, to get in the Marines and whatever, and just in SEALs, I think it was, and had no chance, but kept doing it and kept getting yourself, you know, got yourself in shape and did it. And I just think in this world where there's so many people that give up at the, at the like, first sign of toughness, you know, so many people that, that um, want to mollycoddle people and things like that, I just think he's a throwback, and again, I would I would love to sit down and pick his brains. And just if you if I if I could pick one percent from each one of these people, you know, I feel as though it it enrich my life and make me a better person. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think Goggins would have to get that last spot. Although, like I said, I would love to meet Bex. I would love to meet um, Dwayne Johnson again, just because of what they come from, where they got to. Beckham because he was when it was one of my heroes. Yeah, you know I mean, so uh, Dave, what a dinner party! I'd love to go to that. The chicken, I think it'd be all right, chicken it? and rice, and or you, pasta. And, and you do know that, that if if my food's shit, Tyson's probably gonna chin me. But before he chins me that left hook, I get shouted at by Goggins and made to laugh mean? by Kevin Hart, and then and, and then, sung to and by then Adele. Kevin Hart would be laughing, and then Adele would be singing over my body. So and know. Sugar Ray Leonard's banging on the window outside. <laughs> he's, he's saying you should have brought me instead of Tyson. That's what he's saying. Um, Dave Caldwell, thanks so much for your time. Best of luck Cheers, this you. weekend with Hopi Price. As I say, Hopi in action as part of the live design broadcast this Saturday night from Sheffield, final eliminator for the British title. Great to see Hopi back in action. One final one. If you are crossing the street in London between 2 and 3 a.m., <laughs> be careful. Dave Caldwell might be listening to some 80s and 90s tunes, blaring, maybe Adele, who knows. <laughs> Dave Caldwell, thanks for your time. Cheers. Well, Peter McGrail, we have a big fight coming up, but first of all, it's just good to see you. It's good to see you with a smile on your face as well, back in training. It's been a little while since we've seen you, but how's the body feeling and how does it feel being back in full swing, working towards another big night in your home city? Yeah, lad, the, uh, the body's good. The um, the injuries, I'm well over that now. Been over that for a good few weeks now, and um, just life's good, lad. Life's good. We've got a fight date. Any fights, I'll tell you. It's um, when you put a fight date and you're working towards, um, it's just better. Know what I mean? You've got fo- you've got more focus. You know what you know what you're working towards, and and um, I've, I've started sparring a few weeks ago, which obviously got brilliant minds in the gym, and we're getting some sparring out soon. So it's um, life's good, lad. Life's good. Nice to have you down in the gym. Always. Uh, to be fair, this is actually the first time I've been here to the Everton Red Triangle, but uh, I've seen great videos. I know it's a massive part of your life as well. So I guess when you are in here every day, especially training alongside not just the lads, but your brother Joe as well, 
does it make things that bit easier? You know, you've been coming here since you were you were ten years old, right? So, so this is your place to work, and it's home as well. Yeah, that's boss lad. Um, obviously, Paul and Anthony. I went to school with Anthony as well, and I've been me and Anthony come on my first day in the gym. Um, me and Anthony come together, and obviously Paul was our coach. That was what seventeen years ago. Now Anthony's a coach, and then you've got my brother, who's obviously he's been in the gym since he was seven. So me and I, Joe, we're in the gym. We t- we like we train together. We go what to hours. We eat together. We run together. Do weights together. So it's um life's good, lad. Like li- life's um couldn't ask for couldn't ask for better. Know what I mean? Really, we're we're um we're at matching boxing. We're getting um, got a fight coming up. Our first title in my home city. It's uh when you put it like that, lad, and you, and you think about it, it's just, I'm just grateful, you know what I mean, and I'm looking forward to them putting a performance on the 21st. In terms of the opponent, uh, when you look at the record, Pete, you've always been matched relatively difficult, which I think is a, is a compliment to yourself. We know you're a great amateur and you, and you turned over with bad intentions as well, wanting to move quickly. Fran Mendoza, Colombian, 17-0. For, for you, why on paper is this a move in the right direction? I'd fight anyone, me, but... It's um, in our gym, it's not down to me, who, who I fight. It's down to Paul and Anthony. They they have the final say, you know what I mean? Um, the fights, like, I'd, as, I, as I just said, I would, I would literally fight anyone. So I reckon, obviously, Paul and Anthony have watched them and they obviously think it's a, it's a step in the right direction. But he's, he's a good opponent, you know what I mean? On paper, it's good. Um, to me, first title, it's in Liverpool. Um, and the kid who's coming to win, so he's gonna bring the best out of me in here. I'm um, I'm not looking to get beaten in my home city against against no Colombian. So yeah, we we we'll be putting a heavy performance in. I'll tell you that. Your old mate Chev Clark um, spent last week with him. He's always a, a great character to have around fight week. Good moment for him as well in his professional journey. He won his first professional title. Uh, I just wonder for you to follow in in his footsteps and and to do that obviously. Tokyo Olympians turning over together, good friends. It, it'll be a nice feeling for you, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. I was speaking to Chev uh, yesterday or the day before on the text, just obviously give him a little well done, and um, said good performance and that. It was a good, good win for you. Good, good experience and um, I made up for him. Had his boss, his boss Chev, but it's all of us from Tokyo lad. I reckon like we're a good crop of fighters coming. Know what I mean? And um, Chev's flying lad. Chev's been very busy, and he fighting all the time. Proper true professional. And it was good. It was nice to see him pick up his, be- his first belt. And, was f- and uh, like when I was watching it on the weekend, I was thinking like, yeah, nice. This is me soon. You know what I mean? And like I always I stay in touch with Chev, and we always like in in over these next few years, it's going to be some big nights. And hopefully soon, obviously we're both under match room, aren't we? It'd be good to um, be good to get on the same sh- same show as him, because um, we've been in some moody gaffs fighting over the world, lad. Been in some terrible gaffs over the years, but it'd be nice to um, have it nice in a lovely arena. You know what I mean? And and um, enjoy some obviously enjoy some nice uh, luxuries, lad. Instead of moody changes in Poland and just all, just yeah, just we've had some funny stuff over the years. So it'd be nice to enjoy some lux- luxuries with them, lad. Sometimes wish I could have been a fly on the wall for yeah. for the GB days with the McCormacks, <laughs> with Chev, with yourself, Galawify as well. Are those some of your times? I know you've got so much to look forward to, Pete, in your professional journey. But why are you? So grateful for those memories you made with, with the guys and girls on the team. Yeah, lad, it's mad. It's like, you don't really, me, myself, personally, unless like a memory pops up on the phone, you, I don't really think of it that much, lad. You know what I mean? Or unless you, say, you walk past, my mum's got like all the trophies and medals on, but up and that and I sort of see a little something, lad. But like when, when you do shit down, lad, and you think, lad, like, I've had a proper belt at, 
belt a few years on 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 GB. You know what I mean? Even like with the coaches, with the boxers, and like the experience, like the experience that I've had boxing wise, and even not not just boxing, like in out the ring as well. Just the places I've seen, and like the memories I've got with the lads and, and with the girls. It's um, it's things that will stay with you forever. But it's like I don't really think of it that much. You know what I mean? It's mad unless obviously, um, Fraser Clark was come and play the charity football match with me and then obviously I haven't seen Fraser for time so seeing him and I was just speaking to him loads and if you see someone probably next time I see Chev or something we'll probably speak about loads of memories of um over the years, you know what I mean? So it is a it it, it is boss to have to have a think about it but um yeah we're back we're back um, we're back home now, we're back having having a triangle and we're on um we're in the pro game now and it's uh, it's going well. I asked Chev when he won the world title because Chev, like, I, I think he hates doing interviews. Hopefully, it's not just me that he hates talking to. But I was always uh, he w- he won't talk about his own success though. He doesn't like doing that. He likes us making up our own opinions on his performances. And I was trying to get him to say and the new, which you just very happily said yeah, in yeah. another interview. And uh, he wouldn't do it. He said, "Nah, you guys can do that." But he did say he wants to win that belt to give it to his friends and his family. And it's as much for them and for all their sacrifices over the years as it was for him. For you, Pete, why, why and who? You said your mum's got all the all the amateur yeah. titles in in the cupboard and, and on display. Why, why is this belt not just important for you, but for for those around you as well? Yeah, I've got um, I've got a Bosch family. I've got um, my mum, my dad, my brothers. I've got a brilliant girlfriend who's supporting me from from day dot. You know what I mean? When when I first met her, um, being all over the world, all of them, me my girlfriend, my mum, my dad, um, Chris, I, Joe, being China, Germany. Where else would they be? In? Or you, they never come to Ukraine. My girlfriend's been out to Australia. You and my dad have been all over Europe, all over the country watching me. It's for it's for them. Know what I mean? Like, well, obviously it's for myself. Like, let, let's have it stated. Everything's always for yourself. But when when like whenever I've won a medal or whenever whenever I win my belts in the pro game, when like I'm bringing them home to my mum and my dad. Know what I mean? I would usually bring them to me to my nana to my nana and my granddad, but my nana passed away. You know, I passed away um, recently, to be honest. I, I can't remember exactly how many weeks, but about six or seven weeks ago. But I've still got my two granddads. I'd always bring me medals. I would always bring me medals as soon as I got home. Say to show them, you know what I mean? I've always got loads of pictures like with, with, um, with my nanas, my granddads, with my medals. And um, you can just tell how proud they all are of you, you know what I mean? And, um, and another, obviously, it's Paul. Paul as well. Paul and Anthony, Dev. Been been there since the start of the amount of hours I've spent in this gym with with them. It's um it's only right like they're awarded too, you know what I mean? And, and I know they are awarded when they see when they see like obviously me and the lads winning our fights and winning belts and that. So it's um yeah, it's just it's for your family really and, and family and friends and just even like all the people that are coming spending the hard earned money, hard earned money to buy tickets, like you'd proper appreciate that, you know what I mean? So obviously you've, you've, you've got to go out there and, and, and work as hard as you can and, and, and get them wins in. And obviously you make their night, don't you? When, when you're winning your fights and even like throughout the amateurs, I had um, obviously when the European, the Europeans, when I, when I won the Europeans, say if like the family uh, couldn't make it out there, then they'd, they'd, have like about, they'd have like about 50 people around to ours and all watching it on the telly and then I'd get sent a video of like when I'd, when I when I won and just everyone cheering in the house and that and it like makes you proper emotional, you know what I mean? It makes you proper proud and yeah, it's um it's it's, it's stuff like that, but it's yeah, 
mainly me, 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 me dad know what I mean, they're, they're, they're brought me up and the support of me, me mum being ringside for, for everyone and me pro fights and <clears throat> being all over the world, as I said then, watching me fighting, so it's, it's nice. Absolutely right. In terms of how you win this belt in front of your people, in front of the arena that you've ran past since you were a kid, running uh, up the docks as well, the, the visualisation of how you, you do become Andanu, as you just said, Pete, what do you demand from yourself and how do you want to do it? Yeah, I just want to put a brilliant performance on for the fans, you know what I mean? Obviously, we want to get that stoppage in, but I just want to um, show everyone like who I am and what I'm about, you know what I mean? I feel like I sort of have done that in my first um, seven fights as a pro, but <coughs> I feel like I haven't. There's still more for people to see, you know what I mean? Like, if people like could see like the work that we do in the gym, the work that I've done over the years, um, I still feel like I haven't fully, fully, fully showing everyone what I'm about, yeah, in my first seven fights, so, it's, um, I've got a big stage here, and obviously, Katzel, Linares, Colmain, and there's going to be a few thousand people in there, loads of scouts, obviously, loads of few manks as well, there for Katzel, so, I'll be looking to, um, put a good performance on, and, and get people speaking about me. Just quickly, uh, I've seen, like, you know, when Galau turned over in a 10-rounder, won an international title straight away, are you bothered about, about winning domestic belts, about winning a British title, or is it, for you, is it a world title, is the minimum that you see. How, how do you look at it that way? Yeah, I believe I'm good enough to go any really, you know what I mean? If it was three for world titles, then it's, um, that's the way it's going to be. But if I believe Paul and Anthony matchroom, I believe usual guide me in the right direction, you know what I mean? And, and if a domestic uh, British title popped up, if I got ordered to fight for that, and it was Paul and I thought it was the right fight, um, then, then why not, you know what I mean? Any, any any belt any and we'll fight anyone and as long as it's everyone thinks it's the right fight for me at that time but I'm just enjoying the ride at the minute but it would be nice to win like British European um, Commonwealth belts but I reckon if you've got the chance to just go straight for the world titles then why why, why not do that you know what I mean you get you get to the um, get to the bigger fights faster you know what I mean and get get to um, the bigger money too. Hey McGrail, great to catch up. Can't wait to see you. Back in action, of course, October 21st in Liverpool. He's home at the MS Bank Arena on the undercard of Jack Cattrall and Jorge Linares fighting for his first professional title. Pete McGrail about to remind the world exactly who he is. Pete, thanks for your time. February 1995, London and Nigel Benn against Gerald McClellan. This was a fight right up there with the very best I've seen live at ringside, but the aftermath means it's hard to remember it with any real affection. Most of you will know the story of McClellan suffering injuries in the fight, which left him at different times unable to walk and talk. An operation to remove a blood clot from his brain in the early hours of the morning saved his life, but there were problems also with vision and hearing which affect him to this day and still he lives a life severely limited by what happened that night, which is getting on for 30 years ago. The build-up to the fight was manic, it was hostile and downright ugly at times. The fight was shown live on ITV, so the attention all around was monumental, as was the audience on the night. McClellan was 27 at the time, and he'd won eight of his last 10 fights in the first round, and against decent opposition too. And the last three of those were in world title fights. 
that was a middleweight now he was up at super middle for the first time and although Nigel Benn was the defending champion McClellan was the bookmaker's hot favourite and it looked like those odds were spot on when Ben was knocked through the ropes in the first round he was down again in the eighth and came back to win in the tenth when McClellan twice took a knee while he was blinking and clearly in discomfort and when he got up just as the referee waved it off more than one commentator said McClellan had quit and they came to regret their judgment in later years. I was reporting as opposed to commentating and I had a seat which was almost behind a corner post and I remember there was a lot of confusion afterwards as to just how badly hurt the two men were. Both of them were taken to hospital and it all left a haunting atmosphere at ringside and that's when my night took a strange turn. I'd filed my report for the BBC from ringside and it was at the London Arena which has long since been demolished. The arena was built in the heart of the Docklands and so I was getting set to head back to the sports room in central London to be ready to react to whatever news might come from the hospital overnight and as I was leaving the arena I bumped into Barry McGuigan just outside the main entrance. Barry had been working for ITV on their coverage that night and a week earlier, by a really eerie coincidence, I'd interviewed Barry for a radio documentary that I was making called Death in the Ring. The programme was based on the reflections of boxers like Barry who'd been involved in fights in which their opponents had died as a result of the injuries that they'd sustained. And here we were fearing that death had struck all over again. Barry was waiting with his wife Sandra and there were other family members and friends there as well. The courtesy car that had been booked for Barry and the rest of them by ITV couldn't get through to the arena because police had cordoned off the area to allow clear access for the ambulances, one of them for Ben and the other one for McClellan. And Barry asked me how I was getting home. I said I'd parked up about a mile away and could give him a lift if they could all squeeze in. They were staying at the London Hilton across town on Park Lane and with that Barry and Sandra and a few others followed me back to my car which was an old three-door Volkswagen Golf and somehow they all squeezed in and at various points one or two of them got out around the Strand and other points in and around London's West End and eventually there were four of us left in the car me and Sandra in the front and Barry and another bloke in the back and as we got closer to the Hilton Hotel around about Piccadilly I was talking to Sandra who I'd met for the first time the previous week when I'd also interviewed her for the documentary and I remember she was powerfully articulate about that really tough time in Barry's life and while we were talking in the front Barry was joshing in the back with this other fella who looked fairly slim with shoulder length dark hair and suddenly the pair of them in the back burst out laughing and McGuigan shouts get away Day Lewis I couldn't believe what I was hearing I looked in the rearview mirror and there he was Daniel Day Lewis the Oscar winning actor him and Barry were training together at the time because Day Lewis was preparing for his role in the film called The Boxer which was released a couple of years later it's a film about an ex-IRA man who's trying to go straight after spending time in prison and when I looked in the mirror and saw Day Lewis sat there I almost wound up on the pavement as you can imagine and a few minutes later I dropped them all off at the Hilton Hotel and I just couldn't wait to get home to tell 
my partner Christine she worked in motor insurance at the time dealing with drivers accident claims and I used to complain to her about the cost of my insurance premium which she always insisted was because I worked for the BBC who am I ever gonna have in the back of my car I used to say to her you never know was her terse reply and as for memories of the fight Frank Warren used to say that all boxers turning pro should watch it to be fully aware of what can and does happen Well, the 12-round Eliminator Challenge quiz leaderboard is taking shape now through Season 3 of Flash Knockdown. Bradley Ski and Sonny Edwards both lead the way with eight points, followed by John Ryder on six points, Dempsey McKean and Darren Barker on four points uh, this week in the hot seat. Competing for a charity prize, we appreciate taking him time out of a very busy training schedule, fight night not too far away now, is Jack Cattrall. Jack, thanks for coming on. How are you, mate? Nice one, Jamie. Yeah, all good. Thank you. Training's going good. Excited to uh, excited to win the quiz. <laughs> well, we're we're going to get to the quiz in uh, in just a moment. First, first of all, about you, Jack. I mean, Eddie keeps saying how the ticket sales are absolutely flying for this fight. We're we're expecting over eight thousand in the arena come October twenty first in Liverpool. What does that say, Jack, about the appetite for this fight? And and also for those who are questioning whether British boxing is still booming. This is all the proof they need, right? Yeah, you know what? I put a post out the other day. Very grateful. Uh, I've had a lot of great support over the years, but I finally found where I fit in. And with Matchroom, it's my second fight under the Matchroom banner. And I've been given the opportunity to headline in Liverpool, which is a city not too far from where I live. Uh, and I wouldn't even say I'm surprised because I know I've got good support, but I understand uh, how the climate is and, and times are hard, etc. But uh, the fans are certainly turning out for this one and uh, it just makes me work that little bit harder knowing everyone's spending the hard-earned money coming watching me fight. It makes me want to put on a performance for everybody. Well, I know it was great, Jack, just for you to get back in the ring uh, against a decent opponent as well in Tara Foley, but you put on a masterclass that night. I know you wanted to move straight into world title fights and, and big fights. Why, aside from the world champions, do you believe Jorge Linares was the perfect step, the perfect opponent for you at, at this stage of your career? You know what, for me, uh, obviously, we'd have liked to have fought for one of the world titles. Uh, right now, that, that's not an option. So, uh, when Jorge Linares was proposed, uh, I said Simon up straight away. He's a, he's a great name, former three-weight world champion, uh, well-respected uh, in the States and around the world. And, and everybody's familiar with him and what he brings, the excitement, the fights that he's had. So, uh, I need to be going in there and, and beating the likes of Linares to keep talking about getting these these big world title fights. So this fight has definitely got me fired up and I'm excited to, to share the ring with him. How dangerous, Jack, is he still to you? And, and how dangerous are you, are you taking the threat of Linares? Very dangerous. Uh, I'm expecting Linares to come firing on all cylinders. I'm expecting him uh, to be at his best. I know we can look at his career that, that goes back a couple of decades, but uh, I've seen his training content. Uh, we've been following his training uh and he seems to be working hard and he seems bang up for the fight. So, like I said, it, that gets me fired up and I'm excited now to, to get in there. We're only two weeks away now, so it's uh, really the business business end of camp now. We did have news recently, Jack, of course, that you definitely would have seen. Devin Haney, Regis Pro Grey confirmed for the December. In terms of your, your boxing analysis, Jack, who do you believe wins that fight and why 
is fighting the winner in 2024 a very realistic proposition for yourself? Yeah, so very interesting fight. A fight that obviously slightly frustrating because I thought we was going to get the Regis fight. Uh, Devin Haney's come up as a WBC champion. He's got the right to fight for the world title of the weight above. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts moving up. I know he's quite big for the weight. Uh, Regis, a real sol- solid 140 fighter. I know we can look at his last performance and, and probably say it was below par, but a solid fighter, very strong. So I probably lean towards Regis with that fight. And in terms of you, like we say, you, you have the self-belief, Jack, don't you, that you can beat any of these guys and, and the winner would be so attractive to you, wouldn't it, next year? Yeah, of course. And that's what gets me excited for this next fight. I mean, we, we see it all too often, fighters overlooking their opponents and, uh, and that fight's not there if I don't beat Linares in two weeks. So uh, the mind's solely focused on Linares. Uh, I've got to put on a great performance and I've got to beat him convincingly uh, to then go on to, to get these kind of fights with the likes of Regis and Haney, etc. Quick one, Jack, on your stable mate, Cameron Vong. I believe he's been one of your, your main sparring partners in this camp for the Nars. Is that right? Yeah, so Cameron's uh, Cameron's joined the gym not too long ago. He's got his debut uh, this Saturday, which I'm excited to watch. And it's been brilliant. We've been away training in Dubai. I've had a couple of weeks out there and I've been fortunate enough to use him as a sparring partner. Uh, young kid, 21 years old, very skillful. Uh, got the height, the reach, the defence and... Uh, He's looking really good and I've been telling people to keep an eye out for him Saturday because I'm certainly excited to, to follow his career and see how far he can go. Well, excited to see Cameron Bong make his professional debut. Jack, we're going to throw over to producer Scott now who's going to go over the rules for this quiz. I know you're competitive. I know you won't want to be at the bottom of this leaderboard and you certainly won't want Sonny Edwards and Bradley Skeet to be sitting above you. So here is producer Scott to go over the rules. Thanks, Jamie, and welcome, Jack, to the 12-round Eliminator Challenge. I'm going to go over a couple of ground rules for our listeners and also for yourself as well, just so you are on the same wavelength, mate. So yep. it's essentially a bit like a Who Am I quiz. We're trying to identify one of your previous opponents here. So there's 12 rounds or 12 clues at stake, and with each passing round, you lose a point. So you start off on round number one with 12 points, and then each time you skip to the next round, it sort of reduces one by one. So if you get it right after the second round, for example, you get 12 points. You only get one guess, so make sure it counts, is what I would say. Cool. Okay, so question number one. As a professional, I have boxed in six different countries. Please. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> number two. The bio on my Instagram reads, the brave may not live long, but cowards don't live at all. Yes, let's uh, skip to the next one. Round number three. The night I made my professional debut was the same night as James DeGale versus George Groves, but it was on another card. Yep, we'll skip to the next one. (laughs) My (laughs) my nickname in my native tongue is pronounced Humus. Mm, yeah, can we skip to the next one? Yep, I think you might know this, you know, after this one. Aside from earning a living in the ring, I also worked in the Navy. Also worked in the Navy. Mm. Yep, we might have to skip this one to the next, please. No worries. The night we boxed, your old gym mate, Virginda Singh, made his pro debut. 
Don't forget, you do have a, a bonus lifeline, which may help, which might not help. Can I go for one? Can I can I drop an answer in? Or do we skip to the next one? It's up to you. If you you only get one shot at an answer, so if you want to gamble now, lock in an answer. No. no, we'll skip to the next one, please. No worries. Recently, I won a bronze medal in my national pull-up championships. So you do follow this guy on Instagram. And he has been posting about this. Mm. Yep, we'll skip to the next one, please. My first name in my native country means God appointed. And it, <laughs> and it begins with the letter J. It begins with the letter J. Oh, I must admit, man. You yes, follow... I think I know this. Oh, gonna... Go on. Are you going to go for Hello? it? You're going to go for it? No, go on. What, what was you saying? I was going to say, I thought you were known the Navy one because you follow this this dude on uh, on Insta and he's posted on Facebook. Jack, I will just say, you do have a bonus lifeline, right? And if you use your lifeline, you don't lose any points. So it's a, it's a free hit. It yeah, might just it, be right for on, We'll take the free hit. We'll take the free hit. Right, here it comes. So the quote in the official fight press release when YouTube boxed read as follows. As far as I'm concerned, there are only two things which separate me and Jack Catterall. He's a Southpaw and I'm an Orthodox. He has big promotional backing and I have not. Other than that, we start from equal footing. Do you know the answer? Uh, right, we're going to go in. We're going to go with Joe Hughes. Oh. Jack Catterall. Incorrect, I'm afraid. Oh, Jack. The correct, <laughs> the correct answer is Jarko Putkinen, the Finnish Navy. Oh, of course it is. Probably <laughs> <laughs> on Insta as well. Jack, so you, you would have seen he was in the Navy. Oh, you would have seen he's one. Well, Jack, Jack, someone who's doing his pull-ups. <laughs> no, Jack, for someone who uh, for someone who started full of confidence, mate, that was disastrous. <laughs> It was. I can only apologise for that, guys. You know, you know, you're bottom of the league with Zelfa Barrett now. <laughs> <laughs> no charity payout coming your way, mate. But still, more importantly, big fight in a couple of weeks. So we look forward to seeing you there. Uh, Jack, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, Jack. Uh, I know your performance against Lenares is going to be much better than your performance in this quiz. Um, we look forward to seeing you in the ring very soon, mate. And we'll see you fight week. Scott, Jamie, thank you very much. Appreciate that, guys. Scott, man. Thanks, thanks for your time, Nice one. Well, thanks, as always, for listening to Flash Knockdown. I do apologise because my voice is going. I had a little joke about it in the Dave Colwell segment. Don't watch Champions League football on a fight week, especially when you're meant to appear on the design broadcast on Saturday night. I'll have some honey, I'll have some tea. No doubt I'll be fit and healthy when Saturday night does roll around. If you don't already, give us a subscribe or follow across your preferred podcast platforms and stay tuned for more content. A shout out to all of our guests, Dave Coldwell, Mike Costello, Peter McGrail and Jack Catrell as well. Don't miss Lee Wood versus Josh Warrington this Saturday from the Utilita Arena in Sheffield, live only on the zone. Thank <laughs> you.